podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, sweetie, what do you think of our new car from Carvana? Think it can handle our busy family? Well, we have seven days to see. First, we can take the scenic route to the beach and stargaze through the moonroof. We'll see if your drums fit in the trunk. Then we can pick up mommy's friends and check out that leg room. And we should really visit grandma. She's getting up there. That's like a whole lifetime in seven days. And like one busy family. With our seven-day money-back guarantee, you can confidently shop for cars 100% online. Visit Carvana.com for all terms and conditions. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. The Celtic Exchange. A fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Welcome to episode 35 of the Celtic Exchange. This is Tino and today I'm joined by Miff and Sinky. This week finally saw the return of a packed Celtic park as we took on FK Jablonek in a Europa League qualifier on an emotional night under the floodlights. The players and fans also took time to pay their respects pre-match to those who sadly never made it through the pandemic with a poignant round of applause which set the tone for an emotionally charged night. On the park, the team continued to thrive under Ange, scoring 16 goals in their last four games, though there's still some concerns at the back, which hopefully the club and Ange are working hard to resolve. Miff, you're an emotional man at the best at times. How have you found it being back at Celtic Park? Hi, Tino. Hi, Sinky. Hi, listeners. Uh, it's, it's been amazing, to be honest with you. I don't know if I'm really cut out for all this optimism, though. I mean, I've spent the past, past what, nine, ten months talking about how dire things have been and hoping for a brighter day but it definitely seems like the, the brighter days are, are here and hopefully they're here to stay I think the team look rejuvenated individual players look rejuvenated and I think the fans t- timing's everything in life and the fact that the fans have come in at a time when the team probably needed them and they've just seemed to have given the team that extra extra yard and it's made all, all the difference I think it helps when you've got someone of the character of um, Ange and the, the clear charisma that he has as well. He seems to have charmed us all into believing him. And the proof is now starting to manifest itself on the park as well. We can see it with our own eyes. We can see what he's trying to do. The performances have improved. And it's just been an absolute joy to watch. I think it's going to be a pretty hairy ride this year. Because I think we will concede goals. But I, I don't really have an issue with that. We wanted to see better football. Instead of the, the turgid nonsense we were getting served up. And last year it looked like we were likely to concede without scoring. This year, it looks like whilst we might concede, the chances are we're going to score more than whoever we play against. Yeah, it's incredible about yourself. You've been there the last few games as well. How's it been for you? It's been brought me back. Absolutely fantastic. I know this optimism, it's, um, it's contagious. So I, I mentioned getting carried away with myself last week. But Thursday was, Thursday was brilliant. Thursday was a great night all around. European night, floodlights, fans, everything about it. And then obviously the weekend as well. It was great to be back and... Leaving with a smile on your face, it's, it's, it's something, something different. <laughs> It'll take a bit of getting used to it, but we'll, we'll give it our best. Um, yeah, but just as you say, Sinky, I feel Celtic Park there for the first time in a long time, and the the players definitely be seem to be feeding off that energy that the crowd are providing. Obviously, we've seen you know last season and and I suppose the experiment that was football without fans, and it's night and day, isn't it? Yeah, and I think you can you can see that even with, with passages of play. If a player tries something, doesn't come off, or there's been a good passage of play that's almost came to something, but it, you know nothing's quite happened. The fans react to that. You know they just want to see something that kind of gets them up off their seat, and they they kind of maintain a you know just a, a level of noise for for a period of time, which clearly has an effect and drives the team on. And if you're a player subconsciously, it's a 50-50 decision. 
Do I make that forward pass? Do I just put it back to me? Do I put it to the side? I, I do think it encourages the positive in the play. And I think, w- without being too too cheesy or, or, or cringy about it, Celtic are historically a team who have fed off the support of their fans. Yeah. And um, I, that, I'm not in any way trying to say we're unique in that. Other examples I would think of are, are teams like Liverpool, Manchester United, you know, yeah. that, that kind of play at the, the very the very end of the game, the final whistle, you know, last minute injury time type mentality. And last season it felt like we just, we were really leggy and we didn't have that. Part of that I think was the fans, part of that was, was for other reasons. But this season, we've got somebody that's come in and gave us renewed belief, uh, is executing his plans in front of our very eyes. And that in itself has got the fans excited. And then what you're seeing is the fans upholding their end of the bargain. They're buying the season tickets. They're buying the additional tickets, which, which are a disgrace, but we'll probably come on to that, I would assume. And they are really letting the board know that, yes, we are 100% behind Ange, behind the team, but by no means are we going to accept what we got last time. And that is just complacency at board level. Because whilst for all the optimism we discuss here, we still need reinforcements, we still need signings. Just because Angus improved, you know, individual players doesn't mean that it stops here. We yeah. we have to have to keep pressing forward. We have to drive on. Yeah, hundred percent. And we'll, we'll cover the the reinforcements and the the players that he still needs uh, just in a short time. I think I was just going to say while we while we're on this subject of Angelo, in a very short space of time, he seems to have re-established that very important connection between the fans and the players. And that's not an easy thing to do, is it? No, you need to have some something about you have that you bit of that because he's got charisma. And every time he speaks, you listen. He's infectious. Uh, he's honest. It's none of this old football cliches. He comes out when he's been interviewed. He actually speaks his mind, speaks he's very, very straight talking, typical typical Aussie. But he has got that connection straight away with the fans. And I mean, don't talk about we, we watched the documentary, we watched the videos, we've done all the all the background stuff on him, but until you get the measure of the guy and you're starting to see it coming coming through and coming through. But he's done great. I think one of the first things he said in one of his interviews was it's all well and good, him saying it, but everyone around him, you know, the staff at Lennox Town and the players and, and everyone else associated with the club, they need to to believe in what he's doing. And, and I think I think there is a belief, uh, isn't he, he talks about his old, He was talking about his old man again this week. When yeah. he first came in, he said he wants to play a style of football that his dad would have wanted to watch. And he quotes that again this week uh, yeah, in a couple of the pressers this week. He speaks about that again. And he said that his dad would be on his on edge of his seat in the first half, especially. Uh-huh. Yeah, Jim Postacoglu, big JP. So, no, it was good. And I, I thought that was... But it was very genuine when he says that. You know, he's got a real want to play good football. He's not here just for results. In fact, you know, he stressed that time after time. It's not just getting the wins, it's how we get the wins. And he's promised us this attack in football and, and we're seeing it. And then, someone, as I mentioned there, 16 goals in four games. Yes, we've conceded a couple, but moving forward, it's a joy to watch. Absolutely. And and I think the, the, the kind of seeds of that were thrown... If you look at the Hearts game in isolation, it was kind of more of the same as last season. But then what was quite notable was we did enjoy a healthy amount of possession, albeit that chance creation was, was, was fairly poor. Fast forward a few games in, Furiashi hitting the ground running like he has, the rejuvenation of guys like Christie, Rogic, um, Callum McGregor playing in what I would just describe as the correct position. Mm-hmm. All those factors combined with a real belief, I think, a belief in the team, which was sadly, sadly lacking, sadly missing. You know, probably the unsung, unsung heroes of of this shape and formation are, are Ralston and Taylor, because a lot of the work that they do, you know, the the yards that they cover, whilst maybe the quality is lacking at times, I, I don't think you can you can fault them for effort and the, just the sheer amount. Of, if you talk about the players not being, being fit enough and things like that, when when Ange came in, I, I doubt Taylor or Ralston would have been 
two that would have been accused of that because they have not stopped all from from early pre season and. I think it's it's commendable the attitude of those two players in particular because they are they are whipping boys um, and I do understand why you know I watch it myself sometimes you think they've got club feet the way they try to cross the ball but by the same token they cover every blade of grass and they are carrying out their manager's instruction to the letter so you know things like that within a squad when you're creating squad harmony you've brought in signings that have worked you know Joe Hart's two saves against Jabonek I don't think since Boric's penalty save I've ever heard <laughs> Maybe even big fosters against Lazio, but I mean, you were talking it was proper, what kind of hairs in the back of your neck stuff, because I yeah. think every, everybody just understood what that would have meant to Hart, because he's came here low in confidence, not played a lot of football, made those two brilliant saves, and the fans were just letting them know we're yeah. behind you, and I just hope that goes a long way to settle them, because it's another transfer I really, really want to work. Yeah, definitely, and I, you're right what you're saying there. They, I think the fans cheered those two saves as, as much as he cheered two goals any other time, and it did give Joe Hart a lift because he himself, training's training as a goalie, and obviously he's trained with Spurs the last twelve months and played some cup football for them. But he himself will, you know, maybe have been questioning where his career was going and, and what he still had to offer, and that just gives him a huge lift at a, a very important time. And I think he's been a great signing. I was watching him closely uh, on Sunday at the game. And just at different times when the you know the play was away from him, he is very very vocal, screaming at guys. Now you know, pretty full stadium uh, for the Hearts game, but you could hear him just bellowing at guys and different things. There was one point in particular actually when I think we had a set piece or something, and he ran almost up to the halfway line to have a word directly with Tony Ralston. Not sure what he was saying, but certainly it was something encouraging. But it was brilliant to see, and it was just it's real leadership, and that's something we've been lacking. Like like many of the the boys that have been there for last year, but him coming in, he's got a fresh start. He's at thirty four. He'll be loving this. He'll be loving it. And you're right. I mean, the game the week before, you could hear it because it, it was only 24 hours. You could still hear him clear it, clear his day, giving giving direction, communicating. And that's that's half of the game of communication. Half the game's about yeah. talking. And for me, if he's going to be I can see him being a really good signing for us over the next couple of years. Yeah, I think he could be great. So my few mentioned there, um, just you know, guys that you know come in for praise just now between Taylor and Ralston, and I totally agree with you. I'd also like to speak about you know, what I've kind of pitched here is the, the re-emergence of Tom Rogic and Callum McGregor. They've been a dream so far, haven't they? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, with Rogic, I think uh, being diplomatic, I would say Neil Lennon's probably not his type of manager. Although after last season, he's probably no Wendy's type of manager, but that's that's a completely different story. But Rogic seems to thrive in those really professional setups where, yeah. you know, there's obviously some sort of emphasis put on you know, the standards that are, that are being set. I'm, again, I'm trying to watch what I'm saying here without saying anything libelous. But the the fact remains that, you know, Tom Rogic probably, if he'd went in the summer, nobody would have said anything. It was very close to going last summer as well. But the player that you see playing in these games is a Tom Rogic we all love. The Tom Rogic that we want playing, even if it is only for his 70 minutes or his 75 minutes. The 70 or 75 minutes you get off a fit and motivated Tom Rogic is, is well, is, is better than most of what you'll get in the, the Scottish Premier League. So with McGregor, it's slightly different because I think just the whole the whole debacle of last season weighed on McGregor personally. I just think he took he took a lot of it personally. Must have been hard for a lot of the, the kind of uh, stalwarts in the team as well, knowing that, that somebody like Scott Brown was going who who had been a, a mentor and a leader to them over a over a number of years. So also different things going on with, with McGregor, but he just again looks rejuvenated and again someone who, like under Rogers, improved under Rogers because of the, you know, those high standards of professionalism. It's obviously an environment he's very comfortable within and that he thrives within. So whilst we all were crying out for a, a big name appointment like a Howe or, or you know Benitez or whoever, I think what we've gotten 
Postacoglu is an absolute wild card and he 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 very clearly has his own ideas on the game, how it should be played and, and things like that. Guys like Rogic, who knew him from before, and McGregor, have clearly bought into that. And it's and what we're seeing now is the kind of the, the benefit of that. We're seeing it actioned on the park. And after the just the debacle of last year, Celtic fans back in the stadium in their tens of thousands, vocally supporting an attacking, motivated and passionate Celtic team, the world does seem like a better place. Certainly does. And I think what you're seeing is players and fans are buying into it. You know, I think no doubt so many of us, ourselves included, had to research and look up who this guy was in the first place. But now that you've witnessed what he's bringing to the party and, and how he speaks, everyone's all in here. And the the big kind of piece of that puzzle is to ensure that the board are all in. Because listen, they've supported him fairly well so far, I think, to the tune of almost 14 million, but there's still work to be done. Well, I seen earlier on today that the Green Brigade are going Wednesday night with press trousers and a navy jumper. That's a, that, that's, a, that's a uniform yeah the old man at CNA it's, it's a stylish outfit he's taken on board I was just going to say so it's clear just you know from what we're saying there Tom Rogic Callum McGregor various other players have, have really bought into what he's doing but yeah. sorry just another one to mention um, who I think has looked absolutely rock solid is Stephen Welsh but rock solid I, I, I think he's looked so calm and composed in defence when last year questionable positional sense and questionable positional sense and, and things like that but I think this season, what stood out to me was the Mitchell and Gaming beat Tom and off. He really seemed to take responsibility, and I felt it was harsh that he was left out after that because I thought I thought the way he played and the way that he, he kind of took responsibility merited him staying in the team. He's dropped out the team and then he not sulk and show the attitude he has in coming back in. For a guy who isn't the tallest, he seems a constant threat for set pieces as well. Yeah. Um. I just think he's it's, it's worthwhile mentioning him as well because I think that the standard that we're seeing off him looks well beyond and above what he was offering last year. I think so. And that's that's the thing when you're playing in front of empty stadiums. Part of developing, certainly as a Celtic player, is learning to handle the pressure of the crowd. Stephen Welsh, unfortunately for him and his breakthrough year, didn't get to experience experience that. And all of a sudden now in the last, whatever it is, four or five games, he's grown into himself. He'll have been gutted that Beaton came in for that game, but it's maybe given him a rocket and he's just thought, I'm going to need to work even harder. And just clearly seen something in him, slotted him right back in. I don't think think he'll budge anytime no, soon. It's, 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 his, it's his jersey to lose now. Yeah, I mean, here, here's a question. So we'll maybe get into it in a wee bit more detail shortly, but Starfelt, listen, I'm not going to go on his case, but there's no doubt he's raised a few eyebrows with some of his performances, you know, in his, in his first few games. The question would be, as and when Chris Julian is fit, who drops out? Because if it's tomorrow, it's got to be Starfelt for me. Yeah, he's... he's... As the jury's the jury's still well and truly out with a big man. Um, but you're right. I, we mentioned it last week on the on the show last week that he looks very nervy. He looks very one footed, mm-hmm. really one footed. And there's people moaning about him playing in the wrong side of the, the other side of the ocean stuff for like that. But yeah, Julian, I don't know when he there was. There was I read something today that it could be a year before he's back. Julian, it's got to say the headline was a year of injury hell because he, he injured last December. Okay, ah, he's obviously struggled so, maybe for but, the best but, part of a but, year. So but. he's not going to be back anytime soon. But f- the thing is, when a manager buys a player, they usually stick with him to prove the point that he's he's, he's spent the cash wisely. I get that, but I also think Ange will be the kind of guy where if he just knows somebody else is a better fit, I don't think he'll have any qualms about saying, sorry, Carl, you're out. 
Julian's back in and it's him and Welsh. It'll be interesting. So I think he's due back around about October time. So I think he's had a, a torrid time, but I think he definitely improves what we are doing at the back. The thing about Starfield, as I say, when you come into, I suppose, any club as a defender, it's harder to prove yourself than it is for, say, a, a Furuhashi. Come in and score a couple of goals, a badder, a couple of goals, a couple of assists, and instantly you're welcomed. For a defender, it's different. You know, I suppose keeping clean sheets is the target, but it's not as not Not giving attractive. away penalties. Not giving away penalties against Hearts and, and Liam Boyce. But it is harder to impress. And I just think he's not quite settled. And listen, we can revisit this chat in six weeks' time and he might have blown us away. Head on the ball before it bounces. <laughs> Things of that nature. But listen, it'll be interesting to see. Another question I'm going to ask in terms of personnel. So at the moment, the midfield's purring. Ange goes with this 4-3-3. And you've currently got McGregor in the six and Tom Rodgic and David Turnbull either side him. Very good midfield and I wouldn't be looking to break it up anytime soon. However, James McCarthy debuts. Great to see. Big Celtic lad. Really, really hope he, you know, he sets the place alight. But where does he fit in this team just now? I, I just think it adds depth to the squad. I mean, the that was kind of lacking last season for, for different reasons. You know, different players went off the boil and effectively became unselectable. Guys, guys particularly on thinking letting charm and probably a degree Edward <laughs> at times and we were relying on guys like Eli Anousi and, and whatever but for me I just think it's heartening that we could go into a game where we, you know if we qualify for the Europa League or Conference League whatever it is and you need to maybe solidify you can give him McCarthy and Soro we, we won a turn board Christie playing in front of him you know a Rogic but we've got those options there rather than it having to be McGregor Christie and another or McGregor and Turnbull and another mm-hmm. but we're going to we're going to be able to have a, a different kind of shape about us and we saw the way the team set up against Hearts that Angie's quite happy to have Edward and Koyogo in the same team so to me it, it just bodes well that we've got those options mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think I don't think McCarthy's come here to sit in the bench but at the same token I don't think he's going to be playing every game yeah, it's interesting how they manage him because he's definitely got a lot to offer. He's a leader and I've mentioned, you know, that we, we certainly need them. Um, he won't be happy at sitting on the bench. So it'll just be very interesting to see how that plays out. The other um, way to look at it is we may need to change shape at different times going into Europe particularly uh, and all going well, we'll, we'll qualify for the Europa League, um, if not the, the Conference League. And what we've seen from Brendan Rodgers not in a good way was he just didn't change his system no. for anybody and we went and got absolutely hammered a couple of times in PSG's and Barca's it was horrendous I wonder if Ange's naive in that way I don't know he doesn't you know he's not entered European competition as a manager just yet so this will be the first for him if he gets to the group stages and he'll see some of the quality in that Europa League and I wonder if he'll say well listen this is my team I go 4-3-3 and this is how I play or will I maybe go McGregor and uh, McCarthy sitting next to each other? So it's Ange Ball. It's going to stick to the Ange Ball. You think so? I don't think he'll change it up. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's the way he wants to, to play. It would be naive to do that, but then he's been true to himself by no changing it as well. So I don't yeah. know. Do we, have, do we have a go? I, 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 don't think, I honestly don't think he would change the way he sets up. Expect some 5 4 results. Again, back, back yeah. to the McCarthy thing. McCarthy's. It's a, it's a good problem to have. Um, we've, we've got depth now in the, that, that area. You saw it as well in the background. It's a really good problem to have. A player of that quality who's... And we've given him a four-year deal as well. Yeah. So he's... he's, he's I mean, what you've seen against Mitchelland, notably, was when we needed to make changes in an extra time, there weren't any changes. He, he, he just didn't have the personnel to have an impact in that game and, and it fizzled out and, and obviously we lost the game eventually in extra time. Now, you know, from yesterday starting 11, you didn't have a Christie or an Abada or a James McCarthy. Sorrow, you can maybe throw in the mix as somebody who might come in and do something. 
And if we get these other two or three signings, which we should get in the next couple of weeks, all of a sudden you'll have maybe six or seven quality players on the bench. And that's a very different picture. I think the other point as well in relation to McCarthy is you might actually see finally after six, seven years, Cal McGregor get rested at times because we need to be really, really careful not to flog him. Well, I think we've already done that, to be honest. But I think I read somewhere today, Cal McGregor's actually 28. I know we, we just always associate him with this wee guy and he's, he's dead young, but he's 28. Yeah. And he cannot keep playing the minutes per season and games per season he's playing. You know, he's, he's the reliable man for Scotland as well as for, for um, Celtic. And he just can't keep that workload up. Otherwise, he is going to break. He's your captain. It, you know, it, it, but I mean, there has to be games he can sit out. There has to be because it, to me, it just doesn't make sense. Now, I'm, I'm not advocating being dropped because he started the season in, in amazing fashion. But we, we have to protect him for his own good. And, I think so. And, and having somebody like McCarthy and like you say, a leader, someone who can play in that sort of position, it just adds depth to the squad. So I, I think the McCarthy signing makes a whole lot of sense as I did the Hart signing. It's just... I felt those signings were uninspired against the backdrop of trying to build a young, fresh, attacking team. But I think what we've seen in the past few weeks is, is they make inherent sense because they are, they are guys that will come in and help with the building of that squad and the rapport within it. You've, you've got a point. Out of the three, so Turnbull, Rodgers and McGregor, he's probably a direct competition with McGregor. Mm -hmm. Like for like, because the other two give you something completely different. Um, so to get him out of the team... It'll be a bit of a, a, bit yeah. of a challenge. As you say, he's obviously the skipper, so he's not going to miss many games. Yeah. But I wonder if it's just time for someone to take the decision away from Callum McGregor. Last year under Arlene, he'll have played every single game and then some, and he won't have wanted to be taken out. I think somebody needs to step in and say, I know you want to play against whoever in the League Cup or, or whatever it may be, but I'm going to sit you in the bench today. For his own good, because there's some huge games every season for Celtic, particularly for in Europe, and you need him fresh for those big ones, and he can't play. 55 games and 60 games and all that stuff again so interesting to see how that plays out with James McCarthy staying on the midfield I suppose David Turnbull obviously picked up man in the match against Jablonek two really good goals two very different goals actually one a very cute kind of slide finish and the second one from range which he's shown last year he's he's got that in his locker he had a quiet start to the season Muff. Uh, I thought he was a bit just shaky the first couple of games and he, he was almost a victim of his own high standards from last year because he was one of the true shining lights in, in a very poor season. He didn't quite start, but listen, he's a young guy, there can be inconsistencies, but it looks like he's getting there now. Well, I think like most men from Motherwell, resilient, <laughs> mentally tough, you know, as well as... Um, Full of nonsense. No, as well as extremely talented, mm -hmm. um, handsome. And I, I think Turnbull had so much adulation last year Again, probably because it was, there wasn't a lot of competition for that adulation. But he had so much last year, it came quite quickly to him. And this year, it almost looked like he was getting a wee bit left behind, just in terms of the the kind of physical way in which Ange was asking the team to play. And it didn't seem to come entirely naturally to Turnbull, um, him getting about the park and, and doing the things that he was being asked to do. However, the past few performances, of he seems to either have kind of caught up in terms of his fitness... Yeah. Or he just feels more comfortable in, in what he's been asked to do. Very telling quote from him was the one-to-one -one chats that he's been having with Ange and, and how he felt that made his role easier to undertake. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a pretty damning comment as well. Yeah. I would I would absolutely take it as given that the manager would be speaking one-to-one -one to his first-team playing squad mm -hmm. on a very regular basis. Joe Hart was very complimentary of him during the week. An interview he'd done, he was 
mentioned him giving standout praise for young Turnbull, but yeah. he, he looks he looks like a confidence player. He looks as though he needs a bit of confidence. He's, he's, he only started the season. The last three games, he's been he's been excellent. Yeah. But he, he did me. We were all we were all kind of we weren't condemning him. We were saying, well, is he, is he going to fit into the Ange style of football? Is he going to do that press that, yeah. that stuff like that? But he, he's got the two next to him as well. And I think that's playing next to Big Tam is just has given him a new lease of life. And going back to talking about Big Tam, I don't remember the last time the big man actually started like a number of games three in, in a row, three in a row ever. The the thing about about Turnbull, what I thought was quite noticeable about him against Jablonek was his ability to retain the ball in tight situations where, you know, I think the rest of the midfield, especially, you know, guys like Christie, who's very skillful, but is quite hustle bustle as well. He's always yeah. learning to do things really quickly at pace. At times Turnbull was just kind of holding on to the ball and, and letting his teammates get within range of him so he could play off them. Yeah. And I, I think that's a great skill that he has. His ability to turn either way as well and create very sharp angles for passes. I just think it's what I love watching Turnbull. But I do think he, he spends that extra half second on the ball, which at times under Ange Ball looks like a wee ha- Greg Taylor would be another who I would say does that. Greg Taylor always looks kind of hesitant to play that really, really quick pass. Mm-hmm. But at times, it's actually a really, really good thing because it, it, lets, it lets the team go up the park and it lets you kind of get someone closer to you to play off. So, listen, I'm delighted that Turnbull has started to show improved form, but I still think there's a hell of a lot more to come. So, yeah, I mean, he's a Young, young guy, 22, I think, you know, continue to develop. He's technically excellent. You know, he's just so comfortable in the ball. And just to your point, Muff, <clears throat> something he does particularly well is if he's heading out towards the right-hand side and there's nothing on, he's just got a real sharpness of turning out on at the left-hand side. He's got a wee kind of technique for just looking the other way and finding whether it is Greg Taylor or, or somebody coming down the left. So very, very good technically. And I, I think, as you rightfully say, he's only going to get better. And I actually think... Without putting an adapter on it, Celtic will lose him in a couple of years' time to a, a Premiership side or otherwise. Is it another trait of the Motherwell boys? Highly desirable. They do like the, the Premier League. Highly desirable. One thing I'm going to ask about Turnbull, I don't know if you've clocked it or not, I think he's got a wee bit of the devil in him at times. He's got a wee, just a wee tendency, just taking a get caught up in a couple of things. he done it against Hearts. I don't know if you've seen it. It's yes, where he kind of pulled the guy and clambered yep, him. I, did. I thought it could have been a booking. Yes. And John Beaton, who's always you know kind to Celtic, of course, let that one go. But it was nonsense and it was unnecessary. The guy had a wee nibble at him and Turnbull got involved when he didn't need to. And and if you've only seen the highlights, you, you, you probably won't catch that. But it was an interesting point. He also done it, I think, for Scotland. He get caught clipping a guy's heels off the ball and the, uh, done the Euros in one of these games. And it's just unnecessary stuff. And I hope it's something he can cut out his game. I don't mind a guy having a wee bit of bite about him and getting involved in a bit of stuff. But Motherwell. It's Motherwell. It's Motherwell, Motherwell trait again. I was thinking. I don't that's know what I say. That's what it is. Um, but it's just something that hopefully he can cut out his game and just you know leave that where it's at. Because the last thing we want is for him to be missing games for stupid red cards or anything like that. Take it off with you smooth, lads. That's it. <laughs> exactly. So we've spoken a lot about, you know, the various guys who are excelling under Ange, great stuff. We've not even touched on Kyogo. We'll catch a bit more about him in a minute. But various guys are, you know, really finding a bit of form and, and playing with a smile on their face and a real flair, which is brilliant. But obviously we need to look at the moment about where the weaknesses still are because this team is far from the finished article. We've got a couple of weeks, give or take, left of the, the transfer window. I've said for a long time, that right back, left back striker is where I feel the weaknesses are. Tony Ralston has played very, very well to his credit. I thought he was excellent again against Hearts. Taylor has also been very good, and I'm I'm not a big Taylor fan by any stretch. But what we've got in the striker position, there's a serious concern because listen, Eddie is very likely to be off. You know, obviously there's still a question mark. Ayeti is miles off it just now, and Griff's not around for different reasons. And apparently he spat the dummy towards the end of the game on Saturday as well. Walked down the tunnel early, I believe. So to be confirmed. 
but there's a big gap there at striker. So, I mean, where do you feel the biggest weaknesses are? are you, you know, is it all about getting a striker in? Can you get away with these fullbacks, or do we need to strengthen across the board? We well, linked by a, f- a few players, a few um, million. Uh, I know a few million, but they're, they're, they're saying names keep coming back up. The the big um, is it Thomas Henry, yeah, big one. So that that, that that's that apparently gained are quite a way down the line uh, with that. Right, yeah. apparently, just it's still still the same. Nothing, nothing's changed for me. Um, maybe centre half as well. You could say that would be a area that could we could we could well, definitely depending when Julian's back, we could probably do that. But Taylor and Ralston, good squad players, but definitely get some quality in there, hundred percent. But I've, I jet who's who's where these guys going to go? It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks before this transplant. A lot of it depends on the movement. I think it'll be like a domino effect yeah I mean I, th- I still think there's guys that will go out before we can get guys in and the Edward thing will be difficult for the club because if you know you're getting you know close to 20 million for him it makes your, your buying decisions a bit easier if you're not sure about that you maybe can't be quite so flippant about you know splashing the cash Um, <clears throat> spoke to I think it was Paddy I was chatting to about I had stressed that on current form I think the greater need is at left back than right back but Paddy made the great point that yeah very good but if Ralston gets injured you have zero cover over there don't get me wrong, I think they cover it left back as ball and goalie and that's a, another mystery. But It would be more likely to be Montgomery by the looks of things because I think Ange likes Montgomery. He seems yeah. to have had him in and around the squad and he's given him some game time as well and he has. left more experienced players on the bench. So you obviously see something in him. Right back, left back, centre forward, centre half. I still think we're a centre half short. Yeah. Do you think we're a goalie short? Or is Bain good enough to cover or a tricky one? Eh? Talkie uh, Marshall. Talkie Marshall today. David Marshall. He's been He's getting the least with Derby. Is it? So they were talking about bringing him in potentially as um, competition for number for Joe Hart because he's not got any competition at the moment with Bain. Him and Joe Hart and combined, combined age, 82 and a half, <laughs> something like that. I was going to say that would be bringing yeah. Pat Bonner out of retirement. Yeah. The, <laughs> other no. big, the other big signing suggestion is Liam Scales of Shamrock Rovers. So by all accounts, that deal was also done in Dusty Smith. I, I believe from what I've seen that that's going to go through on Friday. The reason for Friday is Shamrock Rovers play a qualifier for the Conference League on Thursday night. So apparently they've asked for him to play in that to give them as much chance as possible and then he'll get on board. Do you know much about him or would you be keen on that kind of signing? Uh, well, I've weighed it up. I think he'd be a good signing. Terrible myth. Yep. Liam yep. Scales. I had to go there. Um, so he's a left-sided central defender, I believe, but he's, you know, he's got a couple of positions, so whether it be left-back or whatever. But we've signed players like this before. I mean, look, we've, signed, we've signed Uruguide, Shaw, you know, to me, that be a similar type of profile signing to that. You know, now Uruguay and Shaw don't appear to be anywhere near being in the first day. I know I'm saying that and they've been on the bench, but it seems to be a token gesture when they're on the bench, kind of like uh, Europa League games and things like that. So to me, I don't think that would be a signing that would jump out at me from he come in and be immediately in contention. I may be wrong because he's somebody that's playing first team football, he's playing in uh, you know, Europa Conference qualifiers, so he's obviously experienced enough, but you know, the Juranovic one is probably more of interest to me. Croatian international is playing Malaysia by all accounts. Someone who seems extremely comfortable on the ball, getting up the park, putting crosses into the box. It seems like somebody that would fit Angie's system fairly well. You're bringing in an experienced player that's played at a decent level. So to me, the, the murmurings from, from Ange seems to be that he's a bit sick to the back teeth of the lack of action. I think he obviously thought more would have been done to this point fairly miraculous what he has achieved with one hand tied behind his back if I'm being yeah. honest so the, the lack of action is pretty concerning I, I think it would be good for us to know as, as fans what's holding it up and whose responsibility is that exactly because whilst it's all well and good Ange coming out and saying you know that's not really my department that's fine but whose department is it whose specific department is it who and why are these transfers rolling on for so long and you know what's holding them up 
Yeah. Because by, by all accounts, the, the, Buta, the Buta transfer was held up by a, a difference, I think, about 800,000 euros or something like that. Now, again, it might be an absolute load of nonsense because you're only going with things that you're seeing on, on social media and the paper. But if that is the case, then I think the fans deserve answers on that to say, right, OK, well, if we desperately need a right back, like I said um, last time I was on, if you need something and you're going to buy, the person that's selling holds the aces, not you. Yeah. So you don't get to decide the price for something that you need unless you're actually saying, well, no, I'm not paying over X amount. At which point, if you know the asking price, why go and haggle? So it, to me, it's just it's a bit, it's just a bit all convoluted. You know, if you need something, go and get it, go and pay the go and, go and rate for it. If you can't afford it or you don't want to pay that amount, don't enter into negotiations lasting over several weeks. I think we just need answers on who's taking responsibility for this and who's who's formulating the plans and actioning them because it's clearly not happening quick enough for the manager. Yeah, and we've said this many times, you know, when you've got a vacuum and you're getting no communication, people just make things up and rumours, you know, spread about like wildfire online these days and it's it's tricky. And that's why you wonder with Don McKay not come out. I know he's got two weeks to the window left and as a as an overall point, I would say let's reserve judgment until first of September. And we can say right, he did get the right back and the left back in the centre or whatever. But at the moment, you're anxious, and as you say, if the fans have done their job, they've bought their season tickets, they've bought the merch. I know you've bought the new pajamas and all that kind of stuff. But there's, you know, it doesn't. I'm saying it doesn't seem to be coming back the way. Don't get me wrong, they have spent 14 million, but there's a massive rebuild, and we're only halfway through it. And they must support this guy if they want him to succeed. 100. percent It must be frustrating for the manager as well because he'll he'll have a target in mind. He gives he gives the target to the to Dom. He goes and says, "Well, we're, we're haggling. What do you mean we're haggling? We need we need the bodies in. Stop yeah. haggling and just pay the money. That that would that would kill me because we're we're in good. The, what a good faith has been for the fans this last season and last season uh, the season tickets. Obviously, that's and talking paying paying for the tickets as well and the strips and all that kind of stuff. You're looking for a wee bit of like faith back. Yeah, um, that would kill me. It would kill me if we were haggling for a couple of grand here and there. Yeah, I mean, as you say, if he's Ange has done exceptionally well so far to give us a a glimpse into what's possible. But just imagine if he has fully supported, he's got you know maybe another couple of months of training these guys and working on the system. It, it could be something really, really we've special. Two, we've got two weeks. We've got two weeks to we've got four four positions to fill. Do you think we're going to fill all four in the next two weeks? Because it's been really quiet. It has been quiet, but listen, it's also you know when you're buying a football player, it's not like going out and buying a new motor and you just say I'll take that one and you go and get it and it's available. When you're buying a player, the club's got to agree to sell him. The player's got to agree he wants to come. The player's agents also advise them, maybe saying. Why do you sit towards the end of the window? Then your, you know, your position is stronger, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's not always just as easy as just buying something. And, and on that point, I think Andrew's in record the saying that he isn't just going to bring MD in for the sake of filling yes. that position. So I, I accept that. And, and like you say, make really good points there, Tino, about agents advising to wait towards the end of the window, see what other options are open. You know, player would probably prefer to go English Championship, for example, than coming to the SPL for for obvious reasons in terms of a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. But the fact remains the notification of this rebuild was for January. So I think it's um, it's stretching it a bit to say that it's justified that we're probably three, four players short going into the last two weeks of transfer window. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I just, even with a, a major tournament being on, I just can't accept that. Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, where do you think Ange is at? So he gets asked several times a week now, obviously we're playing two, three games a week and every time from the various media outlets, whether it's kind of, you know, the club's own channels, you know, ask them how things are going. To an extent, he's he seemed to get a wee bit more exasperated with each passing week. Where do you think he's at headwise? Do you think he looks a bit fed up, or you know, he, he just realizes this is the the realities of it all? I think he's toned down a wee bit because remember they had the comments. He, we never he never slammed the board, but he, he kind of 
kind of went on about the not moving fast enough for him and then he was frustrated with the, the COVID situation and all that kind of stuff trying to get the players in. But you can see he's getting asked the same question, the same question, but the next the next two weeks is absolutely vital. But back to your point about January, yeah, he kind of, kind of we, we know we needed that for January, but he kind of, it's not the big man's fault. Yeah, he's just come in and he's had a lot of legacy stuff to deal with. And it, it must be frustrating for a guy who know you, you know you need something, but you just can't get it. Mm. I mean, that's the thing, to, to play his style, so... He, we know already how important the fullbacks are to him. The inverted fullback system he plays, and those players going in field then opens up the wing for all the other guys to to go and do their thing. So he knows what he wants. He's up at Lennox Town practicing it, but he also knows he doesn't have the personnel. That must be hugely frustrating for a guy of you know of his his coaching abilities, but not to have the, the tools to work with. And, and also, he's a very experienced coach as well. Just because we hadn't necessarily heard him doesn't mean that he's not got a, a good idea on how he wants to operate and how he wants things done. And given the impression that he's made on the fans, it's in the board's vested interest not to mess this up. Yeah. And anyway, if we have a, a disenfranchised Ange Postacoglu on the bench after the transfer window ends, that spells a lot of trouble for the board because if for any reason, and he's shown before he qualified for a World Cup and walked away because he didn't like what was going on. Absolutely. If for any reason he doesn't get back and walk, walks away, that will be it for the board. Yeah, his stock is extremely high at this moment in time, and rightfully so. I think, Matthew, you, you use the term the cult of personality. You know, he just leads and. It sounds like something I would say. It does sound like that. And people just seem to buy into it, and rightfully so. So, his stock, as I say, incredibly high just now. It's on the board not to mess this up in the next couple of weeks. So, here's hoping. I do think he'll be backed. I just think it's, you know, it's we're all anxious to see that continued progression. But as I say, I think it's a difficult market, Matthew, and I do understand your point about. You know, it's it's not acceptable after so much time, but I just think it's just not as easy to just go and pick up what you want. Like I said, not acceptable. <laughs> not acceptable. Um, let's go back to football and matters. So obviously Celtic beat Hearts 3-2 in the Premier Sports League Cup. The first half was frightening. It was maybe as good a half of football you've seen in a long, long time. How did you find it, Sinky? Brilliant. Uh, honestly, I looked at the stats. It was 82% possession we had. Something like created... Well, we only double figures with chances, but we were outstanding. Yeah, um, 35 chances, I think. 35 chances. So, as you know, I, I, I totally agree with you. It's easily the best 45 that I've, I've watched. I was going to say I was the end of, uh, sitting at the end of my seat, but I was in the standing section, so it was quite easy to stand up. But, um, Is that you banging that drum? Ah, it was me. I was standing behind all the lunatics singing <laughs> scooter songs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, honestly, we're really we were spoiled and we were spoiled because I think that's just a glimpse of what, what we're going to be seeing like for the rest of the season. And if it wasn't for your man Craig Gordon, it, it could have been a cricket score. Yeah, yeah, he had plenty of saves. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I'd, I'd mentioned this on our match reaction podcast that in the first half, every time Hearts get the ball back, they had it for five settings, eight settings, four settings. They just could not keep it for any sustained period of time. It must be a nightmare to play against. I, that was um, I, had, I had my two boys when we met the game. Uh, and I actually remarked to them about that. I just said, just look at how hard the Celtic players are working. It's a phenomenal amount of work that they put in. And I think what you're seeing is, with every passing week, the, the players are clearly getting more used to the demands that, that's on them. But also, I think they're actually getting fitter. Mm. I think they're getting fitter. They're putting the work in behind the scenes and on the training ground. And we're seeing that work coming to good effect on, on the park. Hearts just weren't able to get out. I mean, the wee man... My youngest, he's only four, so he didn't last. I think he lasted to 70 odd minutes, so it was 3 1. But like Tom Rogic. Yeah, that was, that was a Tom Rogic performance. So by the time we, we get back to the bus, just as um, just as the final whistle had went, and to my amazement, BBC Scotland's narrative with Craig Levine in the studio, of course, was um, well, Hearts won the second half 2 1. <laughs> and 
would would Robbie have been disappointed? Obviously, first in terms of Robbie Nielsen, would Robbie have been disappointed with not starting with the shape they ended the game with? I can guarantee you, if Hearts had started the game with that shape, they would have went an eight 0 down. Yeah. I can I can pretty much guarantee you with that. The the the, the, the fact that it was only two 0 was as a result of the fact that Hearts had eight men in the box for the vast majority of the first half and, and there was shots pinging about left right and say I mean I don't know how many times we just didn't get the drop of the ball or, or, or a wee ricochet or a, you know just a wee bounce going our way even when we um, Coyle got the back post we probably should have had a penalty as well although I think it was anyone save for a period um, thanks to beating in the in the first half but there there was so many chances and I can't remember ever enjoying being in Celtic Park as much I don't know if that's because again recency bias as, as, as we often say on here being there, full crowd rolling them on, you know, hearts beating us already in the season as well, so we better needle there because of that. And just that, you know, the whole Gordon, Halliday, you know, Pantomime. just the, you know, horrible. And we just absolutely served up to them. Everything, everything you would have wanted to uh, see in terms of tempo, desire, was, pace, creativity was there, and it was just a joy uh, to watch. It was intent, the, the intensity was unbelievable. See, the, the team keep it up for, we kept, I think we kept it for about an hour, and it got dropped. I mean, hearts got the, Got the goal and stuff like the penalty and stuff like that back in there, but the, the intensity we played with it was phenomenal for see for that forty five minutes and then maybe five minutes at the, the start of the second half we were unplayable. Yeah, unplayable. And I, th- I think a, a mention has to go to to Odson Edward as well because too many times last season if things seemed to get a wee bit difficult the shoulders slumped and the effort just wasn't there to chase the ball down, try and retrieve the ball, hold on to the ball, whatever it might have been several times yesterday if, if you watch the video back see if you watch the video of the, the first goal obviously as you'll admit Tino an amazing assist from um, James Forrest James, yeah. but you'll see when Edward holds the ball up and spins Halkett's holding on to him right. he absolutely ragdolls him off him mm. to the point where he then creates 10 yards between him and Halkett by the time he puts the ball in the net yeah. now it just shows he's got that wee bit between his teeth. Now, whether there's scouts in the stand watching him or not, I don't know. Yeah. But if there were scouts in the stand watching him yesterday, they would have been very, very impressed because it was a complete performance yeah. for Edward. I think just on that note, I was going to mention, there's two things for me about the first goal f- from Edward. So I watched it in person. I've watched the, the highlights back as well and just kind of focused on a couple of things. He, he starts the move that ends up with the ball going out to Kyogo for his very nice uh, right-footed bo- uh, ball across to James Forrest. But... Edward is on the halfway line at that point and he's burst a gut to get into the box to get on the end of that cross so he's shown real desire there so you absolutely can't accuse him of not working on different things he's absolutely burst a gut see when he scored the goal watch how he celebrates oh, he, loves he absolutely loves, oh, it. He loves it there's no kidding on there's none of this kind of sulky stuff which we've maybe seen at times he was absolutely buzzing to be part of that there's and it was no great way, to there's see there's no way to hide there's no way to hide and there's the fact the fans when they, when the fans when they accept someone being half hearted and it, it was like it was like he's it, it was like his old self. See what you say though, no way to hide. He's he's buzzing off those fans. I'm telling you, it's just that. And they it's got the just, love and, back. He got the uh, love no, back. No, that's what I mean. Ah, it's it's a reciprocal thing, you know. Mm. It, it goes both ways. But I think he was just so happy with the ball for Forest. I think that was the delight. <laughs> that's enough, me for your propaganda. <laughs> um, we've spoken about the atten- intensity though, so obviously it is hard to keep that up for the ninety minutes. I've noticed so the Hearts game and the Jablonic game. I think we've faded, you know, around about 70, 75 mm-hmm. and the games have kind of whimpered out. We've made some substitution at that substitutions at that time which is fine but is it the intensity that's just so hard to keep up for 90 minutes or do we think moving forward under Ange as the players get fitter and more accustomed to the system they will be able to do that for 90 minutes it's a big ask it is it's a, it's a big big ask I mean fit, they're, they're fit guys but to keep that level of speed of play intensity for the for the hour it's tough going I think this is where the squad thing comes in I think this is why Ange is so keen 
to get more reinforcements in because, like you say, if he gets to 60 minutes and there's three guys flagging, he's then got those players that he's wanted to bring in or he can rely on to implement. I don't think he feels he's got that within the squad just yet. And I think that's where his frustration's coming from. We just need to back him. <laughs> it's so simple. We've got two weeks left. If I'm Don Mackay or I'm whoever else is in that boardroom, I'm saying to myself, we cannot mess this up. If somebody's asking for an extra 200 grand a year in their wages, give them it. If they're asking for an extra 350 grand in the transfer fee, give them it. Because it has to happen. Because if the board drop the ball on this, I mean, they're not ready to get hell to pay for, but I mean, that'll really, really, really set folk off. Listen, we've made progress beyond what I thought was achievable to this point. And I mean, when I say progress, I mean what I'm seeing with my own eyes, how much I'm enjoying watching Celtic play. I know they're not the finished article. They could very well go to Ibrox and beat. That's, that's the reality, okay? But what I'm seeing is an improved team, a team I'm enjoying watching, and I am 100% behind Ange. I'm reconnected. I was disconnected, but I'm reconnected now. And it's the manager, it's the fans getting back in, it's the team playing football that we want to watch. I've fell back in love because it was a tough year last year. Mm-hmm. And that whole reconnect piece is massive. Yeah, no doubt about it. The last thing I'd say just on the Hearts game was that, to your point, Miff, about Levine talking about how Robbie Nielsen set up, etc. There is no system that Hearts could have deployed that would have dealt with that Celtic yesterday, particularly the first half. So they can look at it with maroon tinted specs if they want post-match. It's, but It's just dead interesting that the, the headline in the evening times was Celtic avoid cup heartache. Uh, as if we scraped through. That, it, it that, is the, that, it's the most one-sided 3-2 one uh, you've ever it, seen in your life. No, but I mean, the thing is, we're all educated. We, we know what the media are trying to do. I'm not saying it's an anti-Celtic agenda for any for one moment. It's sensationalism. That, that's what it is. It's to get people's backs up so that they react to it. But, and we're discussing it on our podcast, so well done. But it, it's worth calling out as well. You know, I, you can sit silent and just go, ah, right, whatever. But th- this is, it's that's the phony war that goes yeah. on. It, it's, it's that tap, tap, tap away. You, you know what you're seeing. And that's where the fans just have to have that faith. And a guy who I think has come in and proven that he's worth believing in. Yeah. So give them the tools, give them the tools to do the job. You'll have seen quite a few headlines three or four weeks ago, you know, only three or four weeks ago from prominent journalists, question Angie's metal, is he in above his head, etc, etc. That's disappeared very, very quickly. He, he has absolutely got the measure of the press here and it's great to see just how he puts folk in their place. And I think all of a sudden those voices have quietened and he's shown what he's got to offer. Did you see the Mark Benstead interview No. Nope. Sky Sports? He asked him, you know, questions about just how, how you felt the, the team were playing, blah, blah, blah. He says, yeah, the one blip. Oh yeah, yeah. And the and the performance was um, a bad. I wanted to take the penalty instead, Edward. And he went, "Oh, you found one then, did yeah. you?" <laughs> or yeah, no, yeah. just like a pure wee sarky face. And I was like, "Gone yourself, big man." Yeah, just put them back in the box. But but again, I, I, probably in, in Ben Stead's defence, he probably used the wrong word there. But, but he's been you know used that word. Mm-hmm. But maybe hasn't he? Maybe he was been quite cynical. But that's the. I think that just kind of wears you down. I mean, you've even seen it for, for Gerard at times when, he, when he's been talking, it says, oh, here we go. They're constantly trying to trip you up for, for various different things. I, I think it's a, a need to put some sort of negative slant on things. I, I don't know why that. I don't know why that is. If you beat a team 6-0 at home, it's generally going to be rosy, isn't it? Just yeah. treat it as such. Don't insult people's intelligence. We need to try and find something negative. And I think just Ange's on it. You know, Ange's absolutely... I think what they've found here is a guy, and, and I go back to the Aussie mentality when it comes to sport, they just take absolutely no nonsense. No nonsense. They are fearsome competitors and they will absolutely guard and protect their own. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, the press, they need a headline and, and negativity sells, but Ange just isn't playing their game. And, and instead, actually, he's letting his players do the talking and that's given all the answers we needed at this moment in time. 
So up next for Ange and the players, obviously, is the Europa League playoff game against AZ Alkmaar. That's at Celtic Park uh, on Wednesday. Now, they're going to be a decent side. They were third in the Eredivisie. Is that how you pronounce it? Lovely. Lovely, Tino. Decent, eh? Uh, they were third in the Dutch League uh, last year behind Ajax and PSV. They're coached by a guy called Pascal Janssen. Want to hear some quirky uh, facts on him? He was born in London yes, and his mum was a pop star with a band called Spooky and Sue. Don't know if she was Spooky or Sue. I've not quite worked out the detail. Couldn't tell you. Um, but he was also the youngest coach at the time to receive his UEFA Pro licence. I think he was 35 years of age. His own career was cut short at 17, 18 with a bad injury. By all accounts, he's a very uh, well-respected coach and he was the assistant prior to getting the job he's come in and done great things and as I say they've finished third I mentioned this uh, on the Match Reaction podcast however that he has lost a few key players and I think his captain is about to be sold as well so they'll come here during a state of flux is now a good a time as any for Celtic to get a team like that and just try and blow them away in the first leg yep absolutely I mean a bit, a bit, a wee bit of step up in class as you mentioned they're finishing third uh, over there I'm not going to try and pronounce it <laughs> um, the Dutch league um, they'll be a, a, a good test and they're going to they're, if we play the same I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to this is going to sound like a, a throwaway statement if we play the exact same way we played against Hearts in the first 45 there's not many teams that can live with us regardless regardless yeah. of who we play and it's it's a bit it's a better time than any to play them I, I, I would I would take anybody now <laughs> <laughs> bring them on bring them I on. mean my, without knowing too much about them where do you think they would fare Compared to even a Michelin, I would say the Dutch league stronger than the the Danish league. So uh, this will be this will be the sternest test we've faced so far. I, yeah. I would say. Um, but that that's an exciting thing for me. You know, I think I think we need to see this team tested even in its infancy. Um, the Michelin games were pretty much a write off because I, I don't think there was a a true genuine balance to the squad. Then I, I felt we were getting into that. We well, I went in with very low expectations, even though I was extremely frustrated afterwards because the Michelin team that, that put us out were were absolutely there for the taking and, and, and the beat on red card has probably cost us because it killed our momentum in, in the first leg but anyway that, that that's done so it's put us on this path and I think it's gave us a really good early season tester you know the next week's a, a really big test mm-hmm. for, the, for the squad but regardless of how the next week pans out I, I think there's still you know loads of reasons to be, to be excited about this season and what we can potentially build so I, I think it's more that I'm happy about is that we seem a lot further along in the process than, than what we probably should be at this stage it just remains to be seen whether or not those those other signings that we're all hoping for are going to materialise and you know it's a, it's a lovely prospect to think that if we do get a couple more bodies in as to where Ange can take us definitely and I think there's just genuine excitement in there it's not you know we've had a hell of a time last year and it's not just a case of well Eton was better than what we've, we've seen last year it's not just that there's there's genuine reasons we're seeing it in front of our very eyes as you said Miff you know we're witnessing it in person you know which is a you know Obviously, a pleasure after what we've gone through, you know, last year and watching it all on telly. But you can just see something developing. There's change. There's change in there. You can you can, you can see it. With the, the whole I mentioned about the reconnect stuff, but you can see it with the the fans and and the players. But the next two weeks is massive on the on the park and off the park. Yeah. The Glasgow Derby end of the month. You've got the transfer window. We need some key bo- key bodies in there. And then obviously the Europa stuff as well. It's a, it's a big couple of weeks. Yeah. Staying on brand with the Glasgow Derby chat, I like it, Sinky. You're, yep, you're thank learning you. fast. Thanks. Um, but yeah, it's huge. You know, off the park, we need to get the signings. And on the park, we'll hope to see, you know, that continued progress. Obviously, as well, beyond uh, Alkmaar, that's a huge game. And then on Sunday, uh, we've got St. Martin at home in the league. Given what we've seen the last couple of Sundays against Dundee and Hearts, you'd like to think we would blow them away. Definitely. As I said, the way we're playing just now, we've got nothing to fear. And I, and, I, and, I, and I mean that I mean that against the, the mob across the road as well I, I honestly believe even more on brand aye <laughs> the mob across the road 
I just I, I just can't see the way we're playing just now and the way we're set up and and the the fans being there being the twelfth man right I can't I can't see us having any inconsistencies going going forward. It's it's an exciting time to be a Celtic fan again. Yeah, no doubt. So Muff, just as we're starting to wrap things up, you and I spent long enough last season covering some very poor weeks for Celtic and you know a lot of kind of doom and gloom. Is it just good to be talking about winning and playing good football again? Yes, and, and, and ultimately that's all it comes down to. We can talk about philosophies, we can talk about signings, we can talk about the board, we can talk about you know all these various different things. The only thing that really matters is Celtic winning football games and we're back, is that four in a row? What, four wins, 16 goals. So what, what more can you say? You know, Celtic fans going to their work, absolutely buzzing. The fact that the team are winning games, scoring goals, it's a happy place to be. Yeah. What about yourselves thinking? What's the most pleasing part of things for you at the moment? Uh, the fans getting back in. Uh, that, that's massive. And it makes such a, a massive difference to the players. You can get 5%, 5%, 5%, 10% more out of a player with the fans being there. And you can see that with some of the guys who've been off form last year and then they've started playing in front of the fans and they look, they look much better players all of a sudden. So that whole, the fans getting back in and getting the back end of the team and the team buying into us it'd be the BB by today it's, it's, it's a perfect marriage <laughs> I think everybody wins out of that one so the goals keep coming for Ange Postacoglu's men and the attacking football he promised us has been in full flow the last couple of weeks there's no doubt though that this team still needs reinforcements and with only two weeks of the transfer window left things are getting just a wee bit close for comfort there however if the board do deliver for Ange then I fully expect he'll deliver for us Thanks to Miff and Sinky for joining me in today's show and as always, a thanks to you for listening. If you're enjoying what we do, please help us to grow by sharing this episode far and wide and you can also now find links to all our podcasts, blogs and social media at thecelticexchange.com. Remember too that we now provide a match reaction podcast after every Celtic game. But until next time, thanks for listening. Podcast Network.